We've all been there before with a nightmare client. And if you're new to business and haven't been, unfortunately, it's probably a matter of when, not if, you find yourself working with a client that is less than ideal and potentially a full-on nightmare. We all know nightmare clients are a part of business. However, if you haven't protected yourself from nightmare clients, the damage they do, then it can expand the cost to you and not just the emotional headaches it can cause you. But it can also end up leading to a loss of significant amounts of revenue, time, lawsuits, and your emotional well-being. While we can't promise you a way to never have nightmare clients, today I do want to walk you through ways that you can protect yourself from nightmare clients, legally speaking, with your contracts before you ever find yourself working with those type of clients. As a bonus, the clauses in this episode that I'm going to discuss don't just protect you from legal action, but they also set you up for success from the beginning by setting boundaries. So that way, you're less likely to have that client that you thought was super ideal then turn into a nightmare client, and it ultimately gives you an escape route for when you find yourself in that type of sticky situation so you aren't trapped in your worst nightmare. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. You're listening to The Legal Page Podcast, where we chat about life and business with a legal twist. I'm Paige attorney and photographer helping online businesses and creatives tackle their business dreams without breaking out in hives. No more legal mumbo jumbo. This podcast features simple bite-sized advice that'll have you legally legit in no time. Are you ready? Let's get started. As a reminder, before we get into this episode, I am legally obligated to give my disclaimer. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. All legal information I talk about in this episode is intended for the masses and a large variety of different businesses. Please seek out another attorney in your city and home state if you need specific legal advice related to your unique business. Okay, let's get back to it. Alrighty, let's get down to business. But first, let me remind you, I'm an attorney. I'm not your attorney. So all the legal information that I'm about to talk about in this episode related to the clauses you should have is intended for the masses. Please, please, please seek out your own attorney to represent you in your city and home state if you need specific legal advice related to your unique business. I always just got to dish out a fun legal disclaimer to start out these episodes, which, you know, is just who I am as the legal page. All right. So first up, let's talk about a scope of services clause. This clause is at the very top of your contract. For some of you, especially if you have a legal page contract, there are some contracts that we have a clause literally titled scope of services near the top. And then for some people, we will list out what is all included in the package that your clients are choosing Uh, with you. So that is technically a quasi-scope of services clause. This is what this clause needs to lay out, exactly what your clients are getting, and it leaves no gray area. You want to list like any amounts of coverage that you have or service hours, the number of calls they might get, say if you're an online coach, if you are a website designer, like exactly how many pages that you're designing. And this is very, very important that you don't kind of eyeball it or approximate it because it's going to relate to further clauses within your contract. 
ultimately, what it's going to do is help you set boundaries with your clients. Many of you who have listened to this podcast for some time, and for new people, hello. One of the themes that I constantly talk about here, just putting on your own chief legal officer hat, CLO, I say that a lot. And then I also talk about boundaries because with contracts and these clauses that I'm talking about today, it's all about that initial beginning relationship that you have with your clients. And the boundaries are firmly grounded in the foundation of your contracts. So, When you're saying, I'm only going to provide XYZ services to you and nothing more in your scope of services clause, it sets that expectation. And then those boundaries are clearly laid out from the get-go when they're signing on the bottom dotted line. And that way you're setting yourself up for success right from day one. And this type of clause or the information related to kind of your package and everything that's included in it, you want to expressly delineate like with bullet points, everything they're getting there. That will also allow you to invoke complementary clauses to your scope of services clause when they go beyond your scope of services. Because oftentimes, nightmare clients are born out of unclear boundaries. Because oftentimes, nightmare clients are born out of unclear boundaries, and they have way too high of expectations and ultimately poor communication back and forth. So if we can tackle all of that right off the bat in the scope of services section of your contract, then you're setting yourself up for success. Now, as I mentioned, this type of clause or the full breadth of the package that they're booking with you needs to go at the beginning of your contract, usually after the introductory paragraph that states who the parties are and kind of the effective date. So after the names of the parties, And then I recommend clearly defining all of this in like all of your scope of services in an additional email communication with your clients upon booking. So this above and beyond customer service is going to leave little to the imagination for your clients and zero gray area on what you're providing for them. Not only is it in your contract, but then you're sending them kind of a reiteration of that nicely in your own brand tone and voice to their email, just in explaining to them, hey, this is the package that you booked. And of course, um, you can always upgrade at any time. You just need to let me know. And then speaking of upgrades, with that goes downgrades. One thing that's really important to have, this isn't an actual, it it can be kind of called a no downgrades clause, but we actually put this in our legal page template contracts under a fee and retainer clause. And this is what I was saying where the scope of services relates to other complementary clauses down the line in your contract. And with the scope of services, you want to point out in the fee and retainer clause that the package price booked is and the price of that package is in effect at the time of booking. That if they, you know, choose not to sign and that is what you quoted them, and then they come back three months later and you've increased pricing, you need a clause in there regarding prices may fluctuate at any time. And it's only guaranteed throughout the duration of you being able to sign this contract with me. And then you want language regarding that the package price or the scope of services can be upgraded at any time, but it cannot be downgraded. That's going to be under your fee and retainer clause. So what I've talked about so far is a scope of services clause. And then I just went on a tiny little tangent for a like no downgrades language 
that I want to make sure that you have in your fee and retainer clause. Next up, let's talk about a limitations of liability clause because this does exactly what it says. It limits your liability. But for what? This section in an agreement manages overall risk by limiting a party's potential liability for other types of damages or just damages in general. And it outlines what you're liable for your business in the event of breach of contract. It really, what it does is it allows the negotiating parties to understand the full quantum of damages for breach by limiting, restricting, or capping them. So this clause is one that every business owner should have. It's near the bottom, kind of in the boilerplate language or miscellaneous provisions of your contract. And it explains that you will only be liable for breach of contract. And side note here, your maximum damages clause, which is usually right above your limitations of liability clause or right below it, then states that a breach can only have damages up to the full amount of the contract and nothing more. But then this specific limitation of liability clause says that other types of damages, such as consequential, indirect, special, exemplary, or punitive damages, you are not liable for. That's what that clause needs to state. And then for some service providers, such as photographers or videographers, you have more risk and liability in like post-production than other service providers do. So you would need additional language in your limitation of liability clause surrounding if something were to happen to the media before it's exported and sent to the clients, right? Defect, damage, equipment, malfunctions, that they would agree to like relieve and hold you harmless, honestly, and not impose additional liability. Again, that's what a limitation of liability clause is, is it limits your liability. So you want to limit it to the loss of what your deliverables are. So say if you're a photographer, you're limiting the loss of photographs by prorating the amount that you are able to give them. So if you lost only 10%, you would prorate a discount or refund of 10% of the total package price, right? Because you weren't able to deliver that final amount due to some, you know, unforeseeable thing like a camera malfunction that's kind of beyond your control. And then you also want to limit for compromised coverage due to causes way beyond your control, such as, you know, like other people having flashes, lateness, a tire, you know, videography, obstruction, weather conditions, decorations, limitations of the venue, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm trying to say here is a limitation of liability clause, the beginning portion that I talked about, where it's just restricting additional damages beyond the breach of contract claim, that would be in every service provider's contract. And then if you have additional risk related to your specific services, such as the ones I just mentioned for photographers, you would need to add in additional language. All to say, if you have our photography agreements at the legal page and you use our templates, all of this is included in your contract. So not to worry, we write all this out for you. The next thing I wanted to talk about is a scope creep clause. So this is also sometimes called things like changes to project scope. Ultimately, it may not be a clause. It may be information kind of in your fee and retainer clause. 
It may be under or subsumed into other legal language in your contract, but you want language where with a nightmare client, there are potential situations where they are likely pushing the limits or completely trampling over what the agreed upon work is that you listed in your scope of services clause. And potentially, they are holding you accountable for that additional work that they think you should do. And a nightmare situation you could find yourself in is something as simple as scope creep, where the client just keeps asking for more and more that was not originally agreed upon. I know I already talked about this before, but I just wanted to re-mention the scope creep clause. This is going to cost you a lot of time, which time is money in our industry, and it could be work that you could be charging them for and should be charging them for, right? So you really want to make sure that this boundary is in place in your contract so you don't find yourself in a situation where the scope is getting thrown out the window and honestly is getting out of control, where you are constantly having to be a yes person instead of grounding yourself and standing firmly in this scope creep clause and invoking it and saying, no, I can't do that. That's beyond the scope of services we agreed to. And of course, if there's ever a dispute about what was agreed to, you want to protect yourself so they can't hold you accountable for any damages for the scope that they think you agreed upon. So these two go together. The first one I mentioned, the scope of services clause or the package, the full line item of the package that they are booking with you, and then some type of scope creep or changes to project scope clause. This clause should kind of go near the middle of your contract, and it really should be in any and all of your client contracts. It's one you should never take out, no matter how much a client tries to argue about it. And hopefully, they wouldn't argue about this. If you're clear about listing what your project scope is and then listing if something happens to scope creep or it goes beyond the scope of the project that you guys are packaged that you agreed upon, then you would be charging, you know, $150 per hour or maybe you're, you know, sending them an invoice down the road at the sole discretion of the company. You can have any type of language in there that you would like related to what amounts they need to pay you for the scope creep. All right, and the final clause that I want to talk about today that will save you from nightmare clients is a cancellation clause. This is a big one, and plenty of business owners forget about it, which is interesting. They just think, oh, we can terminate or cancel the contract at any time. But they always wish when they, for I don't know why they won't have this in their contract, but then they go back to their contract and they're like, oh yeah, I have a cancellation provision. They see that it's not there or they have like one sentence under like fee and retainer and like cancellation rescheduling situations that could pop up, but it's not thought out enough. And it's one of the main clauses that clients will also sometimes try to negotiate. So you want to be clear that you have a cancellation clause by client so when a client is voluntarily canceling, that's a cancellation by client clause. When you are having to cancel as a service provider, probably due to circumstances beyond your control, right? Death of a family member, severe illness, severe injury, then you would probably have to cancel and terminate the contract. And then what procedures occur? What is your policy surrounding that? Can you bring in an associate or an alternative professional 
to take your place, like under your business? Or, you know, are you giving a full refund? Like, what does that look like? But moving back to the cancellation by client clause, that voluntary cancellation by your client, that's the one I don't want you to forget. It helps you dictate under what circumstances an agreed upon project or service can be terminated by them as the client. And it's kind of like, how do you get out of a contract, right? If you don't have this language, then you and or the client or clients have no idea how to terminate a contract early before services have been performed and or all deliverables have been received. So should a nightmare client kind of turn into a situation that you no longer want to be a part of, then you would invoke your cancellation of services by company clause. You need that legal out that's going to cover your butt. But a cancellation by client clause is going to help you determine when they need to notify you of a cancellation. So usually it's within 60, 30 or 90, that that wasn't in order. So 90, 60, or 30 days is pretty common. I would say like wedding planners or services they need to perform that are so specifically related to the, the time period leading up to the event, those people may have like a 120-day cancellation policy. But you need to have a notification policy in there. So by what date prior to the event date do your clients need to notify you of a cancellation that they intend to cancel, thereby losing out and forfeiting their retainer or reservation fee or booking fee, whatever you call it, and then they wouldn't have to pay any additional fees. But... Also, it will explain that there are no refunds, and it might also say that if they cancel within that time frame, that they are required to pay the additional amount as an opportunity cost and liquidated damages to you. And if they have paid like their full amount and then they're canceling, say within the 30-day time frame, they can't ask for a prorated refund for services not rendered. I know that's a massive argument in online Facebook groups, but you can keep all of the amounts as liquidated damages if you have this clause in your contract. Now, if you're using either a cancellation by client clause or a cancellation by company clause as a way out of a nightmare situation with a client, you're going to want to make sure that you're also sending a cancellation contract on behalf of the company. In the legal page shop, we include two cancellation templates when you purchase a cancellation bundle from us. It's just called cancellation contracts. So we have one that you would send if your client is canceling, and then one you would send if you are canceling as the service provider. And this cancellation agreement All it does is it terminates and supersedes any other written or oral agreements between you. That's important because you either probably have email documentation or you had a phone call about the cancellation. And so this would subsume all of that. And it releases you from any further obligations to your client as the company and vice versa. It releases your client's obligations to you, usually for payment terms. Now, where do you put the cancellation clauses in your contract. I did forget to mention that. So your standard cancellation clause, a cancellation by client clause, needs to go near the top of your contract. That's really important. Cancellation clauses, fees and retainer clauses, rescheduling clauses, all at the top of your contract. So your clients see it first and actually read it. 
A cancellation by company clause is usually kind of near the middle to bottom of your contract um, because oftentimes you're not going to be invoking it too much. And if you do, it's kind of those unheard of situations that you usually don't intend to happen, but at least you have a clause that you can relate to and everybody looks back on in the contract. Okay, so now that we have gone through all of the clauses that are going to protect you from nightmare clients, I wanted to recap the four major clauses that will help protect you from legal action, set you up for success from the beginning, and give you a way out should your client turn into a nightmare that you no longer want to be a part of. So all of those clauses are a scope of services clause or the full inclusion of the package that your clients are booking with you, a limitation of liability clause, a scope creep clause, sometimes referred to as a changes to project scope clause, and a cancellation clause. Now, if you are a legal page customer and you have our contracts already in place, we do already have these clauses included in our contracts. These are ones I would never not include. So you have got it. Pat yourself on the back. You're good to go. And as a reminder, a cancellation clause is usually pretty general. So I do suggest that you look back at your cancellation clauses and make sure that you are protecting your booty when it comes to nightmare clients and cancellations and you're including all of the legal language in your cancellation clauses that I talked about here today. If you need an a la carte clause, just reach out to us at the legal page. You can email shop at thelegalpage.com and you can explain kind of what your existing contract has. And then you can say that you listen to this podcast episode and you're kind of wondering, you know, I need this scope creep clause or I need this specific cancellation by client clause. And we can point you in the right direction for an a la carte clause to purchase from the legal page shop. All to say, I hope you found this episode extremely helpful, kind of a little contract clause checklist for you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you all in next week's episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Legal Page Podcast. See, I told you being legally legit isn't so scary. Be sure to visit thelegalpage.com for all show notes. And it would be super awesome if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review. Last but not least, don't forget to join my free Facebook group for unlimited legal and biz Q&A. Chat soon, Legal Pagers. Attention all service industry business owners. Are you absolutely certain your current contract has you protected and set up for success? I've got some game-changing news for you. I've created a free checklist with all the essential clauses that you will need in your service industry contract. From force majeure to severability, cancellation to rescheduling, transferability, and even venue and jurisdiction. I've covered it all to make sure you stay protected and set for success. Don't take any chances with your business's future. Head over to Instagram and DM me the word checklist to grab your free guide. That's right. Just go over to the legal P-A-I-G-E on Instagram and DM me the word checklist. With this checklist in hand, you'll have the confidence to never get in a pickle with a client and ensure your business is 100% safeguarded.